0: time for this week's edition of the source weekly update out of the press and into your ear every week found wherever you get audio time now to take a look at a couple of the highlights found this week on the source weekly's website bensource.com first up from our news desk parents protest school closure Thousands of parents from around the state have united in an effort to reopen schools by January 6th, by Laurel Bronze. As local COVID-19 cases spike, Ben LaPine Schools is no closer to opening its doors than it was in September. That has some local parents frustrated enough to take to the streets in protest, while simultaneously organizing an online effort to demand action from elected officials. Local organizers Kelly Vlatch and Indu Fairbanks of the Open Ben Lapine Schools Group on Facebook joined forces with a statewide coalition of parent groups called ED300. The coalition is pressuring elected officials to ease restrictions on in-person learning and to open schools by January 6, according to a November 9th press release from ED300. This is the first joint effort by tens of thousands of parents from all over Oregon, the release stated. January 6th marks the 300th day that the majority of Oregon's 600,000 students have been forbidden to return to school buildings. We witness learning losses, technology failures, repercussions of no school-based activities, accessibility issues for students with disabilities, and significant mental and emotional health challenges for too many students, the group wrote. ED-300 encouraged Governor Kate Brown to remove the current barriers to classroom learning and asked superintendents, school boards, and lawmakers to engage with parent activists to implement a safe return to in-person learning and co-curricular activities. The coalition also demanded the removal of county-level metrics and mandates from the state. Instead, it wants guidelines tailored to community-level approaches. We are out of alignment with 42 other states that have guidelines rather than mandates, the statement read. Oregon's overly blunt mandates are prolonging closures and harming every age student, from early learners to high school students who need support in their journeys to higher education. Governor Brown and the Oregon Department of Education did announce more county-level decision-making when she laid out more relaxed reopening metrics October 30th. According to the new rules, school districts can begin opening elementary schools for in-person instruction once a county has fewer than 100 cases per 100,000 people, based on a two-week average. When the new ODE guidelines were first released, Deschutes County's two-week average for the week of October 11th through the 24th was 67.9 cases per 100,000. But the county's latest two-week average between October 18th and October 31st was 113.5 cases per 100,000, according to data from the Oregon Health Authority, published November 2nd. The Open Benlapine Schools Group has 2,100 members. Its organizers led a demonstration on October 5th in front of the BLPS Administration Building downtown. And finally, City May Fund Services for the Unhoused by Laurel Bronze. The Bend City Council debated various building tax levies for funding services for the unhoused during its November 4th City Council meeting. The number of local people experiencing homelessness went up by 60% since 2015, according to the Central Oregon Homeless Leadership Coalition, to an estimated 969 people in 2020. City Manager Eric King introduced the proposal as a response to a request for funding for the planned Central Oregon Veterans Village which may be completed sometime this winter. In 2006, Bend was the first city in Oregon to implement a 0.33% construction excise tax on almost all new building permits, using the money for affordable housing. Lynn McConnell, the city's affordable housing manager, explained, Since then, the state has gone back and forth, first restricting new CETs altogether, then lifting the ban in 2016 with a host of restrictions and caveats for new residential CETs. New CETs on commercial and industrial buildings don't have the same restrictions from the state, McConnell explained. If the city decides to move forward with an additional tax on these structures, 50% of these funds could go towards supporting services for people without homes, and 100% of the new funds would stay within the city's control. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Source Weekly Podcast. For more on these and other stories, pick up a free copy of the Source Weekly or visit our website, Ventsource.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Scholl.